0: Hi, I'm Tina Waldrum, the host of this podcast. Welcome to you if this is the first time you've listened along. First up, some very exciting news as we head into Christmas. Many people have asked me for some ideas and some practical ways to share their faith, so I've put together an online Christmas course for 2022 to help you. I'll share an outreach-focused devotion each day and give you a very practical idea to reach out to those around you. I'll be online myself each day and chatting with you through the private community. I'd love to meet you. You can access the course at www.evangelisminaustralia.com forward slash christmas course a big thank you to everyone who has shown some love to us for the podcast we are now a finalist for christian podcast of the year very very exciting now let's get into this week's episode Welcome to the Win-Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum. Today I'm speaking with Tracy Lowers and about the gospel and family violence. Tracy's from Melbourne and is the convener of the Family Violence Working Group with the Anglican Church of Australia. This is a very important topic and we need to be involved. The good news of Jesus needs to be involved in this space. Welcome to you, Tracy. Thank
1: you so much, Tina. Great to be with you
0: today. Great to have you along, Tracy. Now, what I'm interested in, as always, when I talk with people around what we would typically call a social justice issue in our society, did you grow up in a church that was even interested in these issues? Because there's very different stories out there.
1: Yes, I I grew up um, or I became a Christian as a young adult and um, the context was in Sydney. And whilst I wouldn't say that there was teaching against involvement in social justice, there was a very strong emphasis on, um, you know, what it is that we believe and sharing that message and that that was the biggest, most important thing we could do with our lives and far more valuable than anything else, including, yeah, social justice issues, um, But I've changed my mind about that over the years. (laughs) I think it's a both and, not either or is, is the right approach, I think.
0: Yes, 100% agree. So a lot of people do say that and and some people do actually still feel that, that the proclamation, the verbal proclamation of the main tenets of the gospel are, you know, trump everything. But what we're saying is that we're talking about one coin or two sides of one coin. So what changed your mind and how did you actually get involved in the um, family violence area?
1: Well, I think my... My mind was changed over a long period of time to to really to bring myself to the point of thinking like our our role as Christian people is very much to, to bring the kingdom of God. That doesn't just mean proclaiming it but being the answer to that prayer that we pray all the time that, you know, that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, you know, we have a saviour who brought healing, um, brought that, uh, you know that jubilee that he preached about, and we have a we have a significant role to play in bringing about um, those wonderful kingdom transformations to to people's lives. So proclamation really important, but also that we are living the life of faith as well, uh, living out our faith and and helping people, being good neighbors, and so on. I think it was probably in the early 2000s that the World Health Organization and then the United Nations started releasing really disturbing uh, data about the prevalence of domestic violence or what we probably call intimate partner violence. So the World Health Organization estimated that across their lifetime, one in three women and around 736 million women are subjected to physical or sexual violence by an intimate partner or sexual violence from a non-partner. So the statistics, we started hearing these terrible statistics and then other things have happened in society to make us um, aware of that as well. Uh, I think of, um, you know, Rosie Batty when she was, I think, 2016, she was awarded the Australian of the Year and Rosie Batty had been uh, in a violent uh, relationship and and ultimately, her husband killed their son. Um, and so I think that you know there's there's been a few very important people who've helped us to understand the problem broadly in our culture. But the 2016 Royal Commission into Family Violence in Victoria, I think, was the first time I started hearing faith communities being mentioned as possible places where. Um, intimate partner violence might be happening, but also places of great influence that could be very valuable in helping us to change this situation and to prevent violence. Um, There were some journalists in 2017 who suggested actually that a woman of faith was more likely to experience violence than uh, a woman without faith. And that was a shocking thing to suggest and we didn't have at the time any data that would tell us whether that was the case or not. The media quoted a few studies which were from, you know, other continents that were dated and weren't, weren't the sort of research that um, would give us confident that we were, you know, that the findings were something we could rely upon. So in 2017 at our Anglican um, General Synod, which is like our parliament for the Anglican Church of Australia, myself and one of our women bishops uh, proposed a motion that we would do some research into our uh, church communities, into Australians who identify as Anglicans and try to get an understanding of whether this problem or how, how prevalent this problem was and to understand its nature. And uh, the General Synod unanimously supported the doing of that research. That was the beginning.
0: Yes, absolutely. And my understanding is, like when we talk about the topic of of divorce in secular Australia and within the church, the numbers are very high when it comes to family violence, intimate partner violence was, correct me if I'm wrong, within the Anglican church research was the same or higher than what we were seeing in the general public, was that correct?
1: Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, we we did three research uh, studies, and we spent about a year approaching a number of universities and independent research companies because we wanted an independent, professional piece of research to be done. And in the end, we commissioned three research studies. One was into prevalence, which um, one of its findings were that. The prevalence of intimate partner violence for Australians who identify as Anglicans in the study was um, the same or slightly higher than the broader community. It depended what question we were asking. The question when we asked across a lifetime, it was slightly higher, um, but when we asked about just the the last year whether they'd experienced violence, those statistics were about the same. So those were very confronting statistics about prevalence. We also studied our clergy and lay leaders because we wanted to understand what their attitudes and values associated with with this issue were and whether they matched the broader community um, or whether they were thinking about it differently. Um, And then finally, we did what we called the experience study, which um, had several hundred people participate in an online survey who had uh, experienced violence. And at the end of that survey, they were asked if they were willing to meet face-to-face with the researchers and do Um, share share their experience so we the researchers interviewed a smaller group of people um, from that study as well which taught us gave us fantastic uh, what we call qualitative uh, data um, about the nature of um, intimate partner violence for people who identify as Anglicans
0: yeah, it really is alarming. And I guess if you're listening today, this and this is the first time you've heard of uh, the statistics around this, it's moving because as Christians and our podcast is all about how do we share the good news? How do we bring healing and health that the gospel can bring? What would Jesus do in this scenario? I'm thinking, Tracy, of people that Maybe listening, or friends that I have, or friends that listeners have today that are going through these situations are experiencing uh, this type of violence. What do I say? Where can I direct people to actually be someone that can bring some hope to them at this time?
1: Yeah, I think that we need to think about what it looks like to be a good friend. Um, or a good neighbour in this context, uh, that Jesus, you know, said that we ought to love God with all of our heart and mind, soul and strength, and that the second command is like that first one, we're to love our neighbours as ourselves. In the story that he told about the Good Samaritan, he dived deeper into what it means to love our neighbour. And in that story, the victim in the story was a man who'd been bashed up and left lying on the side of the road and then several people come across him. So he tells his story about the man that helped uh, the man who'd been attacked. And when you read that story, the man who helped, who was a Samaritan, the man who helped did so much for the victim in that situation, went over to them, tended to their wounds, put them on their, I think it was a donkey, took them to an inn, Made sure that they were looked after, said that they would come back if there was anything else, uh, you know, any other payment that needed to be for the inn or any other things that needed to be done. So when we think about what it means, you know, who is our neighbour and what it means to be a good neighbour or a good friend, I think that there's so much about Jesus's teaching that helps us in this situation. The thing is, today, I don't know about you, but um, not really come across someone who's been attacked and lying. In the gutter, very often in my life, but and so I think if Jesus was telling the story today, would he perhaps talk about how victims of violence can be people that we actually know? It's just that the violence is going on um, behind closed doors in places where people ought to feel safe. And so, what does it mean to be a good friend? I, I think it means to to look out for others because. Some of the things that happen when someone experiences violence is they probably start to drop away from church a bit, and we might assume they just don't want to come to church. But it could be that it could be you know for a reason like this that um, they're you know that they're they're experiencing such a terrible situation, or that they're being controlled and not able to come to church, or not able to come to Bible study or whatever. So just um, having our antenna out a little bit for what this might look like, and, and asking people what we can do to help. Is there anything that we can do? Um, being a good friend to others at church um, and referring on, of course, none of us are the experts in this situation. Um, the easiest number to remember in the name of a website is 1-800-RESPECT and uh, there are lots of resources. If you Google that website or if you call that number 1-800-RESPECT, it's, it's, you know, it's something that you can look up yourself and you can also refer people on to Christians. Like we've got a lot of work to do in terms of understanding how to help prevent and how to be a good friend in response to these terrible confronting statistics um, of violence that our research revealed. Our church has developed 10 commitments to preventing violence, which are very long-term and involved a huge amount of cultural change for us, but hopefully will mean that we can um, respond appropriately and turn what is a bad news story into a good news story um, over time.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Some great advice there and you get a very clear picture of the overall narrative of what is going on and and what's in place, particularly through the Anglicans uh, in Australia, of how the future can be different. And I would suggest, I'm not sure, I'm not looking at the research from all other denominations, but I would assume that they are very, very similar, if not the same. Tracy, I know it's here we are, two ladies talking about uh, this particular issue, and we can assume we're talking about women that are the, the sufferers, but obviously there's a lot of men also that are involved in this space that are experiencing violence. What are the statistics out there around uh, men uh, suffering and things like that?
1: We know that this is gendered violence. That's what our study found, that women are far more likely to experience violence, but some men do experience violence as well. Um, And the consequences for women in terms of homelessness and whether they Uh, need medical treatment those sorts of things the consequences are much more severe as well so it is a very gendered um, violence but men are also affected by violence and women need to be champions and to help and we need men who can be champions of being willing to talk about this problem um, and to help others as well so we need all voices and um Uh, The work of prevention is done on a a number of levels. Um, There is the pastoral care of those who are in our churches who are affected, but also stepping way, way back and thinking what do we know about the drivers of this violence? And um, the drivers originate in uh, things like inequality between our genders. And if we can improve the equality, of men and women then we know that we can address the drivers of this violence and those and that will produce a good outcome for all victims whether they are male or female. I think this is a really important area for us to be concerned about because um, our research and other research as well has shone a light on a terrible problem. It feels like this is our best moment to be able to address it, you know, because we're all understanding the problem so much more. It's a very confronting problem. There's a Latin phrase, "corruptio optimi pessimal," which means the corruption of what is the best is the worst. And we were created for relationships, good relationships, and so when those relationships experience a corruption, a violence of some kind. Um, that's the worst. That's why it's so, such a confronting issue um, and one that we we, we simply cannot fail um, not to address. And I think that our integrity as Christian people, as people who are called to be bringing healing and to do on earth what is happening in heaven, our integrity means that we need to focus on it for our evangelism, actually, to, you know, to have any sense of integrity uh, we need to be people who bring, who are peacemakers in this world.
0: Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. I guess some people today, Tracy, listening, are probably wondering why am I dropping an episode like this right before Christmas in Australia. And, well, my thoughts behind that, if you are wondering, is that it's not Christmas. I guess we can think of as a joyful time, an exciting time for people, but for many, 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 there's no there's no excitement. They're still wrestling through this year that has been very tough. And particularly if they're involved in this area in violence or have been experiencing violence, it's absolutely horrible. So I think being aware, Tracy, today, before we move into this Christmas season to be able to be aware and to encourage um, other people. I mean, even looking forward, Tracy, let's talk about next year. I belong to a church. Just say I want to do something or I want to get involved in this issue in my church. Where do you start? What would people do? Yeah, what a great question. I think that um, we ought to
1: all educate ourselves about this issue. And, and that's not hard to do. There's so much information available to us. Um, one of the peak government organisations, agencies um, that has lots of information is called Our Watch, and we'll put some links in the show notes uh, so that people can do a bit more research. Understanding that um, intimate partner violence, we're not just talking about physical violence or sexual violence, but, you know, it can take many forms. Uh, violence is very complex and nuanced and um doesn't necessarily mean someone's going to be you know that you're going to see someone with a black eye or something you know it could be uh, violence can be experienced coercive control so i think that individually let's get better educated about what intimate partner violence is Um, secondly as faith communities we do have such a powerful voice into people's lives who are part of our faith communities and so I, i just want to request that if you've got access to preaching, then please preach against violence. Uh, Take the story of the Good Samaritan. Imagine that the victim is not someone lying in a ditch on the road to Jericho, but is actually someone who's experiencing domestic or family violence. Preach against it and it will open up the conversation in your church so that you can start talking about it. and uh, I mean, there's lots of other things that you can do, and we'll put some pointers in the show notes to to some of the actions that our church is taking, and then others might um, want to do something similar as well in their church.
0: Yeah, really helpful. And I think that's the number one, isn't it? Raising awareness. You know, raising awareness. You know, what can I do? Well, you know, I'm just thinking about the times that I've heard a message on this, and The amount of times is very, very small, Tracy, if I'm being honest. There seem to be a lot of issues that grab people's attention or or that the media jump on and then I guess as churches we're aware of, but this certainly is not high up there in the circles that I, uh, you know, have been involved in. So this has been very, very valuable. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to talk about in this space before we finish our time together?
1: As we speak together, uh, we're just about to go into what's called 16 days of activism uh, to prevent violence, uh, which runs uh, for 16 days um, from um, from the International Day against uh, violence against women and um, uh, until uh, human. Human Rights Day, which I think is the 10th of December. So there's kind of 16 days where we're focused on preventing violence and there's lots of resources out there. I mean, in your church, there there are moments in the church year when it would be a good time to talk about these things. So the 16 days um, of activism is a great thing. Um, this Friday I'll be going to attend a, a walk against violence in Melbourne in the city Uh, So let's get out and do those sorts of things. There's all sorts of days through the year. If you look at the United Nations calendar, a day declared by the United Nations is to focus people's attention on an issue that we all need to be concerned about. So hop onto the United Nations calendar and look at the coming year. Um, There's International Day of Women. There's International Day of the Girl Child. There's all sorts of moments in the year when you could say, okay, let's that Sunday let's be prayerful about this, let's preach about these issues uh, in those moments. The only other thing I'd say is that there was a psychologist by the name of James Gilligan who said simply condemning violence is about as useful as condemning heart disease. So although we're all affronted by this terrible violence and we wanna condemn it and to lament it and condemn it must be something that we do loudly and first off, it cannot be the only thing we need to do. We need to do more than condemn it. We need to work out what it means to prevent it in our faith communities so that we, our faith communities can be part of the solution um, in our country and our world to what is a national and worldwide scourge.
0: Yes, absolutely some wonderful comments there and things for us to think about and things for us to be a part of. So as Tracy mentioned, we're going to be dropping lots of links into the show notes so that you can be more informed of this issue. You can have some action points of what you may want to uh, be involved in as well to bring the gospel, bring the good news into this space and to help those around us that are experiencing violence in in whatever way that is. So Tracy, thank you so much for your time today. So invaluable. Really appreciate your voice.
1: Thank you, Tina. Great to be with you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Win-Win Evangelism podcast today. If this was helpful for you, please share it with others so they can learn also. If you, your small group or your church would like to upskill more in personal evangelism, learn how it can be easy, natural and not forced, why don't you check out our online free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. I trust that our podcast and our online personal evangelism course can be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.